sing that song, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, and he will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. And as I think about that song and the way in which we sing it, every time I sing that song, it causes me, maybe as it causes you, to wonder what it will be like on that day when Jesus comes. When Jesus returns, oh, the kids are so excited to be here for my sermon. They just are ready. And as Jesus returns, we wonder what that will be like. Theologians, scholars, men who study the Bible, who pour over the original text, argue and debate. Men much smarter than I have, than I am. Women who are much smarter as well have come to very different conclusions about what the end will be like. And so we wait with eager expectation a Savior who is from there. There is a character in the Bible who lived with the expectation of Jesus coming. She was promised that Jesus would come. And we can only imagine she wondered, how will this be? And that's who we're talking about tonight is a character by the name of Mary as we talk about God's amazing grace. Luke, the book of Luke, introduces Mary to us as the mother of God, the mother of Jesus. Now, she is no ordinary woman. Uh, She was a betrothed virgin. Uh, This is why Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, uh, Luke 1... uh, Starting in about verse 26 is where we'll be in just a minute. But the the uh, prophecy concerning Jesus and his first come coming into the world happened many hundreds of years before Luke chapter 1. Found in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. The scriptures say clearly, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, some people have debated. There's possibly it's, it's unscientific, it's illogical, it's unreasonable that a virgin could have a baby. So clearly, the word virgin can't mean the word virgin. They go through all sorts of mental gymnastics, theologically and otherwise, to explain why this couldn't have happened. Uh, chief among those who would sort of say, I'd like to know how this is going to happen, would probably be Mary herself. I'd like to understand how God is doing. Now, what we need to understand is, as we talked about this morning, faith causes us to trust in something that's abnormal, illogical, certainly less than biological, unnatural. It's supernatural. But this sign is very important. It shows that Jesus' incarnation meant that he was more than just a normal human being. Although he had human DNA to some degree, and we can't even fully explain how the spirit and the flesh merged together. But in some way, Jesus was both God and flesh together in one. It testifies to both his humanity and his deity. He was no ordinary man. His mother serves as a wonderful, powerful example of faith and trust and humility. And as we look at her story tonight, it's no wonder 
that Gabriel the angel calls her, O favored one. The word there means literally full of grace. Picture, if you will, a vessel, empty, that God's going to pour himself into, pour his own son into, to be brought into the world. Gabriel refers to her in just exactly the right way. As Gabriel meets her, he says, the Lord is with you. Uh, Catch that. The Lord is with you, and you're going to give birth to a child whose name means the Lord with us. Mary had an important role to play, and we're going to talk about her story tonight. If you're hopefully in your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and following is where we're going to be. Turn there as we tackle this text in two parts this evening. First is Luke uh, Luke chapter 1, starting verse 26, and we're going to read through about verse 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing, nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Well, the first thing that we see clearly is that Mary absolutely reflected thoughtfully. I am sure that Mary did not understand far much more than we do uh, God's plan, how this was going to come about, the logistics, how she was going to explain this. Uh, It says she was greatly troubled. Another translation says she was perplexed. Seeing an angel being called favored, Being told that the Lord is with you, Gabriel said, do not be afraid. I think her probably most natural reaction would be fear. Uh, To imagine what people would say, how people would react, the quiet whispered talking, the rumors, the gossip, the slander that would come her way. And she had done nothing wrong. It's poignant that she is pregnant with a son named Jesus. He will be a man like no other. He will certainly be a son like no other. And Gabriel says that he will be a king like no other. That his kingdom will never come to an end. That you and I, here we are 2,000 plus years later, still a part of that kingdom. He's a most unusual son. Now, every, 
Every mother believes that her child is extra special. Mary was right about that, exceptionally right about that. She asks, how will this be? It defies logic, defies common sense, biology, all reasonable explanation. She wonders, she asks the question, how will this be? Not in doubt, not in questioning God, but with a sense, I think, of holy awe. How how will this be? I I mean, I understand you can, and you've promised me that you will. I don't know how it's going to work, but I trust that you can. The explanation given to her when, when she asked the question, how will this be? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Do you ever get a full explanation that leaves you more confused than when you ask the question? Because that's how I read this. I don't know how this worked. I don't know how the Holy Spirit managed to impregnate or bring into Mary Jesus. I don't think anyone does. I, I read a number of commentaries on this. And there's, there's attempts at explana- explaining this. But I think we are just as puzzled as Mary surely must have been. And Gabriel points to her a living example. I think this is important. He says, listen, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Sometimes when you're trying to explain a concept or, or, or tell someone, the, 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 what I'm imagining here is if you've ever tried to explain something to a three-year-old, it's not possible for you to reasonably, logically explain to a three-year-old with the concepts that you think at as an adult. Parents try, but you can't. Their brain is not developed yet to think at the level you think at. So here's Gabriel, the angel, attempting to explain the incarnation to a young virgin. And he, he gives this explanation, and I think her look on her face was still like, okay. <laughs> so Gabriel says, listen, think about your relative Elizabeth. Uh, she was barren, right? They, they said she was unable to have children. But now she who is called barren is in her sixth month. The same God that did that is doing something in you. And she'll go take a trip to see her cousin. She who was called barren is currently in her second trimester. God loves defying the odds. Um, Avery Dirks is a living testament to defying the odds. When doctors said that the, the child wouldn't make it, and when he made it, they said he wouldn't live very long. And, and then here he is decades later, and he's still living. God loves to defy the odds. Uh, there's one, I, I will not name her by name, but there was a, a, a young lady who was struggling because she was barren, and she was heartbroken Because she and her husband were unable to have children, so it seemed. And all her friends were at the stage where they were beginning to have children. And she came to me, and we talked a little bit. And, of course, there are a lot of ways I absolutely cannot relate to this at all. 
to the pain that she's going through. But we prayed together. And um, I just tried to encourage her to not give up on God. That God often works in strange and unexplainable ways. And I will tell you today that she has two young children. It's, it's a wonderful thing to see God still working. There are several in this audience and some that are not in this audience but a part of this congregation who've battled the big C and who've come out of that victorious. I love it when Big G does his battle with the big C. It's great to watch God work in unexplainable ways. Mary's reply to this is so beautiful. We look at that for the next part. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Consider her position. Um, We're told in the book of Samuel, uh, the prophet Samuel was told that man looks at the outward appearance, but that the Lord looks at the heart. That's an undeniable truth. It's really difficult. I can get a new suit and shine my shoes and get more remarks about that, but very few people will ask how I am and how my relationship with the Lord is. Because man looks at the outward appearance and God looks at the heart. With God, the inside matters more than the outside. With human beings, the outside matters more than the inside. Outwardly, how does this look? You've probably heard the, the phrase that rea- perception is reality. The reality uh, the, yeah, that perception is reality, but reality... The truth is that perception is not reality. Reality is reality. And our job as human beings is to attempt to discern what's real and what's not. She was betrothed, which is the Jewish equivalent of marriage minus consummation. So when uh, we get the perspective from Joseph that he had in mind quietly to divorce her, Legally, they were considered married, but they had not yet consummated in covenant this relationship. But he was from from all standpoints, they were connected. They were married. They were uh, betrothed. They were committed. At best, when Mary begins to show her little bump, it looks as if, at best, that she and Joseph had consummated before consummation was to have occurred. At worst, and this is what it seems that Joseph thought, because he understood that they hadn't done anything. At worst, it looked like she had committed adultery, which is why he as a Jewish man would keep in mind to divorce her quietly because he's a righteous man. You see, perception is not reality. Reality. In fact, it took an angelic intervention to explain to Joseph things were not as they seemed. Can you imagine Mary's position? She was in a a very embarrassing and difficult spot. There is no hope of explanation. Who are you going to explain this to? How are you going to explain this supernatural event? You, You can imagine that there's very little sympathy or empathy. And according to the law, at least if she were considered guilty of adultery, she was subject to be stoned. This is not just mildly embarrassing. This is terrifying. When the angel says, be not afraid, you understand why she would have some fear. Her response 
in light of all those things, is so beautiful. I am the servant, the bond slave, one way of translating that, of the Lord. Faith begins when we understand our standing with God. I use the phrase the relationship with the Lord. And the problem with the word relationship is that from our perspective, we put the two parties in relationship on an equal plane. But our relationship with the Lord is not like this at all. You know, he's considerably more up here than I can extend my left hand. Okay? She's and all of us are considerably farther down here than I can extend my right hand. There's such a gap between us. And yet because of Jesus, we can be in relationship. She understands her position to be used by God because she is the Lord's servant. That's powerful. A servant does not always receive a full explanation of the master's plans. To think of it this way, uh, if you have a boss, a supervisor, do they always explain to you the big picture of what they're doing? No, they, they, they don't have to. Many of them don't. They just need you to do this certain thing or tackle this project or, or handle this piece of the puzzle. And they need servants who say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That's Mary's position with God. She didn't understand the big picture. She didn't, couldn't understand how God was going to do this. So her response is simple but powerful, faithful obedience. May it be according to your word. She yielded to the master's plan, though she certainly did not understand it fully. Faith that fully understands is not faith. Faith that fully, completely has it mapped out what God's doing and where God's going before we follow and yield obedience to God. That's not faithful obedience at all. That's depending on myself. That's depending on my plans and my wisdom and not his. So let's look at what happened. Look at chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. This is John. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is he is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Finally, we see that Mary responded fully. Of anyone else in the world, the only person that could understand, and not even to fullest degree, but understand Mary's position was her cousin Elizabeth, that God would do What was impossible. And so finally we look at how Mary responded. Mary responded fully. She takes this trip and she goes to the only one who might possibly understand or be even to to understand how God might work in an impossible situation. 
Elizabeth immediately gets it. Uh, she she is filled with not not with skepticism, not with oh, okay, what well, really happened, but with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Uh, even baby from within the womb responds and leaps for joy, as if as if all of creation is is peering over and looking into what God is doing, and those who are most in tune with God are beginning to respond first. Blessed is she who who believed. That there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary replies in the only way that I can think is plausible. When you have a, a God who does the impossible. Who is choosing to use her womb to bring the Savior of the world. And she doesn't get a full explanation. She only gets her cousin. He says, that's it. That's it. God's going to do it. That's You're the one. She simply responds in this powerful way. Verses 46 through 55 is commonly called the Magnificat. The first, uh, the Magnific- Mag- Magnificat is the first word of the, trans- of the Latin translation of this, which is in the English, my soul glorifies the Lord. This section of scripture is so deep and so rich. It's full of Old Testament allusions and quotes. It includes Hannah's prayer, parts of the law, parts of the Psalms, parts of prophecy. It is uh, full of the covenant promises of God. Now, now Mary, it is evident from, from her song, and whether she sat down and wrote this or whether she just did it off the cuff, I don't know. But she knew the word of God. She knew the word of God, and she's going to bring forth the living word of God. It's clear that she knows the promises of God. My soul magnifies the, the Lord is, is worship. Worship is the soul's natural response to a holy God. It's a response to his greatness and to his goodness and to what he's done in the past and what he's doing now and what he'll do in the future. So we tonight are going to sing the Magnificat and Ryan's going to lead us in that. And it's based around Mary's response of the news of the role of her role in God's plan. So may we. Take on Mary's posture of worship and magnify with our souls and with our hearts the Lord. May we consider not just what he's done now, but what he's done in the past and what he will do in the future. May we magnify the Lord in our worship with the wonder, with the joy, with the awe that Mary had. Ryan? My soul magnifies the
our takeaway is to worship well. And, and by that, I, I hope that you sang tonight, but more importantly, I hope that you have a song in your heart through the remaining six nights. As you go through the week, may you consider all that God has done in the past. May you reflect on what God is doing now. And may you look forward in eager expectation of what God will do someday. May you never lose your sense of wonder, your sense of awe at the one of who is truly awesome. I was thinking about this. We, we use the word awesome way too much in our world. There are so many things that are awesome in this world. Okay? Whether, whether it's getting a good grade on that school project you've been working on, whether it's getting a, a raise or a promotion at work, uh, whether it's just asking somebody how they're doing and you say, awesome, or when you're just going to Chick-fil-A, awesome. But because we've overused that word, we've lost a sense of true awe at the holy, majest, majestic, powerful, righteous God of the universe. We come in here sometimes and just, oh, hum. We've lost a sense of awe that no doubt Mary had. May we be inspired by the promises of his word. May we be led by the Holy Spirit. May, be, may we not forget what God is doing today. May we respond, may response to our worship be, the, be to have wonder at the one who is truly wonderful. When we worship, whether it's here as a body or whether it's Romans 12, you know, you're, you're live, being a living sacrifice to the Lord, that daily kind of worship. In, in either of those, we Easily forget that worship is not about us. If you leave worship at any time, at any place, saying, yeah, I really didn't get much out of worship today. You sort of missed the point. Worship is not about what you get out of it. Worship is about what we pour out to God and what we offer to him. We're here to magnify the Lord in our worship. My question is not that what did you get out of worship today? You've done it now twice. My question is, what did you put into it? What did you put into your worship? And what will you put into your worship this week? Your living worship. May we take Mary's example and follow it. Because Jesus, because of Jesus, we have all the reason in the world to worship. So the only reason we can worship God is because of his son. And so tonight I want to invite you, if you haven't yet, to, to, to understand that the only reason we can truly worship is because of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Because of his sacrifice, we can rejoice with awe, with wonder, and with joy. And that worship should overflow into the rest of this week. If you are not in Christ, if you have not been covered in the blood of the Lamb, I don't want to let one worship pass without offering you the opportunity to do that. You can do that tonight 
Uh, If you have that need or any other need, please join me down front as together we stand and sing.